Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Over the last nine weeks, we have been looking at our summer of freedom. And whenever and wherever you are watching it, we have had a great series. God has been doing some amazing stuff right throughout this series. And I'm excited to wrap it up for you today. And you know, it all started on the 4th of July on Independence Day when I handcuffed myself to this bin. And we shared this picture on social media and asked for your captions, asked for you to give your best ones. And there was quite a good number of entries, but for me, the best one came from Kevin Baldwin because it was simple and straight to the point. He said, this has been, B-I-N, a wheelie good series. Some people love that, some people just rolled their eyes. But you know, over the last nine weeks, we've been talking about how we can be set free from our sin, how we can be set free from having the wrong identity, how we can be set free from bitterness and unforgiveness, how we can be set free from the wrong mindset, from our past, from the wounds of our past, how we can be set free from bad relationships, how we can be set free from bitterness at work. We've talked about loads of stuff and we've boxed it, haven't we? We have completed freedom. We are all fully free now, aren't we? We can move on to the next challenge. That's right, isn't it? Mm, not so sure really. Over the last eight weeks, we've been looking at this Bible verse. It says this, it is for warm, fuzzy feelings that we, that Christ has set us for, that's not quite right, is it? Maybe it is for the summer of 2021 that Christ has, no, that's, that's not right. The next one, it is for feeling good for a week that Christ has set us free. That's, that, that's not the right one. It is for just getting by that Christ has set us free. That can't be right. Maybe it's the next one. It is for, everybody say it. Freedom. Freedom that Christ has set us free. And in fact, Paul goes on to say even more, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You see, over this series, we've been set free from, from some stuff and it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And what I want to talk about today is how we stay free, how we live freely going into the rest of our lives. You see, because it's not just about this mountaintop experience of freedom and then we come down into the drudgery of non-free life. Jesus said it is that we are set free to live free. And you see, it's kind of like, like gardening and weeding. Laura in our house um, does all of the gardening and weeding and we can pull up on our drive sometimes and we'll be, I'll be reversing down, uh, down our drive and Laura goes, those weeds are a disgrace. And I'm like, I can't see anything. I don't know what you're talking about. And because she's working on it all the time, she sees the things cropping up that I don't see. And it, it would have to be six foot high for me to spot those weeds because I don't see it, but she does because she's working on it. And you see, there are things in our life that, you know, when we, when we do the weeding and we're set free from stuff, the stuff that begins to grow that we need to recognize and pull out before they get six foot high. And because God is always working on us and through us, he is perfectly placed to point out some of the things that we need to pull out of our lives to stay free. And there are steps that we can take. And so this morning, today, what I want to offer you is almost like a buffet If you follow us on Facebook, you'll have seen that we asked, 
What's the one item that you would remove from a buffet? And a lot of people said something about volivants, um, and there was a lot of vomit emojis around volivants. But you know, we've missed buffets, haven't we? That's something that's not been talked about enough. Like during COVID, we haven't had a good buffet. It's a long, long time since I had a buffet. You know, some samosas, some chicken legs, some sausage rolls. Like at my 18th birthday, I had a full salmon. My sister was going out with a, with a chef at the time, and so he got me a whole salmon. Um, for, I mean, that was my birthday present from him, a whole salmon, it was cool. But you know, today, what I kind of want to offer is a little bit of a buffet. We're talking about eight ways to live freely, and it might be that you, you need something from every point, that you almost take a bit of everything. Like some people, when they go for, to a buffet and they get something of everything, maybe it's, it's that you need to do that. Or maybe today, you need to get all over point number three, and you're like, that's the only thing. I'm getting a plate full of chicken legs today because that's what I need in my life. And so whatever it is that speaks to you, I'm going to pray that God speaks to you today through these eight ways to live freely. And you know, if you're not a Christian today, I, I believe that some of what I'm going to talk about is practical help. It can help you to live better. But ultimately, we believe at this church that the only way to truly live in freedom is in relationship with Jesus. And we would love to invite you to make that step later on in the service. But you know, point number one in ways to live freely is be honest. In Psalm 139, it says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the, the path of everlasting life. You see, for me, living free means constantly being honest with yourself and with God and praying this prayer. God, would you search me? Would you know my heart? Would you point out the weeds that are growing in my life? Is there anything that I need to be free of? I think having self-awareness and being aware of the stuff that's going on is really, really important. And for me, one of the key things as well is, is being honest with other people. We talk quite a little bit about in church life about accountability. And that's basically people that you can be open and honest with. And I'm going to tell you about some friends of mine my three best mates, Martin, Jay, and Neil, we gather together, we, we hang out with, you know, we've known each other since we were young teenagers, and, and they're the people in my life that I'm the most honest and open, other than with my wife, obviously, and, and we, when we meet together two to three times a year, we'll talk and we'll ask each other questions, we'll ask each other, how's, how's your marriage going, how's this going, how are you doing with this, and we'll talk and we'll be honest with each other, and we hold each other to account. You know, it is really important if you want to live freely to have people in your life that you can be honest and open with, people that you can be unfiltered with and say, this is going on, I'm struggling with this, this is a little bit of a gorilla in my life, I need to deal with it. And this is why it's so important that we bring stuff to light because it kills its power. Shame is at its strongest when it's in secret. And you know, I wonder whether... There's some people watching and maybe in the room who struggle with addictions, who struggle with a dependency on some things that maybe you've been waiting for this series and going, surely at some point they're going to talk about it and when they do, that's the point when I'll address it. Well, I want you to know that later on in the service, we're going to give you a chance to address it. And whether it's, it's alcohol, whether it's porn, whether it's shopping, whether it's social media, whatever it is that you think that you might have an addiction or a dependence 
a dependency on. We want to encourage you to be honest with God today and allow him to set you free. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But point number two of ways to live freely is to deal with the past. You know, Stuart Blount, he spoke so brilliantly about this when he talked um, a few weeks ago. And some of this dealing with the past is a process and some of it is a moment. But, you know, if your past stays as shame and stays as an open wound, you'll never be able to live freely from it. And that's why it's so important that you, you go through it and you work through that stuff so that it becomes a scar, not an open wound. It's a little bit trivial, but a friend of mine, she was really upset and, and offended by some stuff that went on in a meeting that she was in and um, really hurt by some of the things that people said. And she carried it for a couple of years. And so she was talking about it with, with her mentor and with her coach. And they did this prayer exercise where she prayerfully like, pictured in her mind's eye the room and the moment that all that offense happened. And her friend said to her, I want you to picture and imagine where Jesus is. And she said, as she looked around the room in her mind's eye, she could see Jesus sat opposite her, smiling at her and making her laugh. And it's trivial, but she said, now when she looks back at that moment, she doesn't remember the hurt and the pain and the bitterness and the anger. She remembers Jesus sat opposite her, making her smile and making her laugh. And that might not be the case for some of you. Some of you, it might not be that simple. But the point that I'm trying to make is allow yourself to confront and go through some of the stuff in the past that has caused you not to live in freedom so that you can live in freedom. You know, for us, um, when we were engaged, when Laura and I got engaged, we kind of saw it as a little bit of a process. And we wanted to give our marriage the best possible chance of succeeding. And so we worked through our past. We talked about all the things that had gone on in the past, the difficult moments. We talked about the ex-boyfriends and the girlfriends, and not just the physical stuff, although we did talk about that, and that was really difficult to talk through. But we talked about the emotional scars and the emotional pain that we both experienced in our past because we wanted it to be a scar so that we could live in a marriage that was free. And maybe today there's a little trigger for you there to go, you know, there's some stuff in my life that keeps coming up from my past that I need to address, that I need to maybe go and seek help on, that I maybe need to talk through, that I need to seek that out. I need to deal with that so it can become a scar that I can move on and live freely. Stuart talks so brilliantly about truth, treatment and time. And if point two is your plate of things that you're taking home today, then I'd encourage you to go back and watch Freedom from your past, um, from when Stuart spoke a few weeks ago. But the, the third way to live freely is to identify the triggers. I want to be a little bit honest and open and vulnerable with you today. Um, about four or five years ago, my feet were disgusting, like... Ugh disgusting. Um, I, had, I had a bit of a wart problem on my feet, shall we say. And about two or three years ago, I was like, at first I was like, it's fine, they'll just go away. I don't need to worry about it. No one sees my feet anyway. And then it became a thing that I was really embarrassed and really self-conscious about. And so I decided I was going to go to war with the wart on my feet. And so for about two or three years, I've been at war with these, with these growths on my feet. And it's, it's not been a nice process at all, but I spent lots of time, energy and money on getting rid of these. And I am delighted to say that I am now wart-free. 
you don't have to socially distance yourself from me. Going, oh, stinky feet. Um, I am war free, but you know, going through that process, it's it's been tricky. Lockdown helped. Bazooka really, really helped. I, I've gone to war with them, but you know, now now I've gone through that. I'm regularly checking my feet for signs of them coming back because I don't want to be in that place again where I'm embarrassed about my disgusting feet. You see, I'm looking and I'm going, is there any sign? Because if there's any sign of them, I'm going to be at them and I'm going to be, you know, bathing my feet in bazooka gel. I'm going to be all over it because I don't want to end up back in the place where I was a few years ago. And, you know, if we're to stay free, we need to identify the triggers, the triggers that lead us back to this place where we're handcuffed to a bin, where we're locked in things that we're supposed to be freedom. You know, so many people, when they end up in a bit of a mess, they say things like, I should have seen the warning signs earlier. And so learning to identify what are the things that trigger you back to no longer being free. And there's this great moment in, uh, in the Old Testament. Laura referenced it when we talked in, in the Extended Court, which is available on our online community and on podcast. I'd really encourage you to have a listen to that. But when the Israelites are set free from Egypt, they're released from slavery. It's when there's the 10 plagues and they cross the Red Sea. And they're about to go into the Promised Land. They're about to go into the freedom that God gives them. And they're triggered and they want to run back. It appears in Numbers 14. It says, That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to not being free anymore? And they said to each other, we should choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. You see, at the first sign of difficulty, the first sign of trouble, they run back to what they were familiar with. They run back to the chains that they've been in for so long. And so maybe for you, what are the warning signs that you're going back to your addiction? What are the warning signs that you're losing the battle in your mind? What are the warning signs that you're allowing bitterness to direct your life? What are the warning signs that your attitude to work has slipped? What are the warning signs that you're no longer living the identity that God has put in you? You see, what are the triggers? Identify them. Find out the things that take you back to this place to be in handcuffed to a bin, to be in no longer free and trapped. Identify them so that you can be free from them. The fourth way to live freely is to change your habits. When I decided that I was going to live following Jesus, it was about year nine or year ten. I made a decision to follow Jesus when I was about eight, um, but kind of didn't really live it out in my younger teenage years. But when I was about 15, I made a decision, I'm going to take God seriously. And so when I was going to school, the way I would get to school is I lived in Bootle, which is the north end of Liverpool, okay? And I would used to get the bus all the way around the ring road to the south of Liverpool in Egbeth. I would get the 60 bus. It was pretty much from the first stop to the last stop. It was about a 45-minute journey to school. And loads of people who got on the 60 bus, I got on with really well. And, but the problem was they were a bad influence on me and they got me into lots and lots of trouble. And so I made the decision, I'm going to go a different way 
to school and I changed my habits and started getting the train to school. And one of the main reasons that I got the train to school is there was a lad called Ed who was a Christian and I thought I need to hang out with him if I'm going to live freely and live for Jesus. And so it's kind of... It's kind of linked to point number three where it's knowing your triggers. And you know, if you can identify what it is, you can then change the habits around those triggers. Identify what it is that leads you into these places and change your habits. You know, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul says this. He says, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. And it's kind of like that train, changing of the train tracks that Joe talked about when she had a train going round and round over here. And it's like, we take the thoughts that come into our minds, we take the thought habits and the thought patterns and we make them obedient to Jesus. We change our habits. And we're going to be looking more at that as we go into September. We're going to be doing a series called Reset. So in this reset series, we're going to be talking about how can we reset ourselves for a new season? How can we take life back to its default and original settings? I would encourage you to join us in, in, the, in, room, in the room, in person, if you can, or join us online if you are far away. Um, but we're going to be talking about how can we establish new rhythms? How can we reset our habits going into a new season? The fifth way to live freely is to establish boundaries. And again, it's quite linked to point number four and point number three, but it moves it on a little bit further. And pop star and modern theologian, Dua Lipa, she sang a song called New Rules. And it's basically all about establishing boundaries in her life. She's basically, the whole song is about not ending up back with her ex-boyfriend because it's not a healthy relationship and so she puts in these new rules in her life and I'm going to explain them to you in a few moments but it's kind of it's kind of like a modern version of Ephesians 5:15, where it says be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise and you know our, anybody who's grown up in the youth ministry in the last 10 years or so will will be kind of rolling their eyes because we talk about this in the youth ministry all the time. We talk about crash barriers, we talk about guardrails, about making new rules of being wise and establishing healthy boundaries. It's kind of like this. You know, if you go on a mountain road, you know, in, this, in June, Laura and I, we did the NC500 and we went across the Apple Cross Pass uh, in Scotland in a motorhome. It was quite dicey a few moments, but you know, when there was the edge of a cliff, the people, the authorities have put crash barriers in place because it is much better for me to crash a motorhome into crash barriers than it is to go off the edge of the cliff. And so if we can establish crash barriers and new rules in our lives that we can, we can bump into those rather than ending up in disaster, rather than ending up back handcuffed to a bin, it is the wise thing to do. And so Dua Lipa in her song, she talks, there are three rules, she says, don't pick up the phone, don't let him in and don't be his friend. Now, there's nothing sinful about any of those, is there? There's nothing wrong with picking up the phone to someone. There's nothing wrong with being someone's friend or letting somebody in your house, unless we're in a major lockdown, which we're not anymore, praise the Lord. Um, but, you know, they're not things that are wrong, but she's putting boundaries in place so that she doesn't end up back where she doesn't want to be. And, you know, maybe 
There are areas where you need to set some boundaries, where you need to go, this is the thing that, that I don't want to end up in. I'm going to take three or four steps back and put boundaries in place so I don't end up back in that place again. Maybe, you know, if you're a teenager or a young adult and you're in a relationship and you don't want to have sex before marriage, then maybe there's some healthy boundaries to put in place. You know, I've got friends who say, you know, we won't lie down on the sofa together to watch TV because that will lead us into a place where we don't want to go. Now, there's nothing in the Bible that says, thou shalt not lie on the sofa whilst watching Netflix. There's nothing in there, but it's a wise decision to make. Maybe if you do have some struggles with pornography, maybe say, and do you know what? I am not going to have a smartphone. Again, Jesus doesn't say when he said to the disciples, you know, love one another and don't have a smartphone. Of course, he didn't say that. But he's being, he's, you know, it's about being wise. Maybe if you struggle with nightmares and you're waking up in the middle of the night with some night terrors and you feel like you can never be free from that, then maybe, maybe a wise thing to put in place is to not watch horror movies and to be really careful about what you watch on TV. And again, it's not a commandment, but it's wisdom. You know, I could, I could talk on this for hours, and I won't because, you know, we all want to have an ice cream after the service. But, you know, living wisely and putting healthy boundaries in place is so, so important. So many Christians mess up because they fail to put wise boundaries in place. Number six is reorientate your life. There's a guy who meets, Jesus, who meets Jesus. He's a little guy. Scousers call him Zacchaeus. The posh people call him Zacchaeus. Um, and uh, Zacchaeus, when he meets Jesus, he has this encounter and he's set free. And it says in Luke 19, verse 8, that he reorientates his life. It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. See, Zacchaeus, he experiences freedom and he reorientates his life. He changes the direction that his life is heading. You see, his goal was to make as much money as possible and he didn't care how he made it and he didn't care the cost it was to other people. It was about him making money. But an encounter with Jesus set him free from the lie that being rich would make him happy. And so he turned that around and he's reorientating his life. And maybe some of the freedom that you have found needs to cause a reorientation of your life. Maybe, you know, Laura, Laura talked about a few weeks ago when she said your friends determine the quality and the direction of your life. Maybe there's some friends that you need to distance yourself from. Maybe that's the reorientation. Maybe the job that you do, and this probably isn't for everybody to listen to, but maybe the job that you do, you were always doing it because you believed if I do that job, I will have self-worth and I will be able to see myself in a positive light. And maybe you've been set free from that and there's a reorientation to look at. And that reorientation could lead to point number seven. And point number seven is practice generosity. You know, generosity for me is one of the biggest outworkings of freedom. As we live out freedom, we should become generous. You know, when you understand that you're not the center of your world, you're not the center of the world, you can be generous and you can set others free. And it's not just about money, but it's about things. It's about your time. It's about your spirit. In fact, when addicts are in recovery, they're encouraged to go and volunteer for charities. 
because it helps them to live out a new freedom. And in fact, in Time magazine, there was an article written uh, that, that's called uh, The Secret to Happiness is Helping Others. And the lady who wrote it, Jenny Santi, she said this, scientific research provides compelling data to support the anecdotal evidence that giving is a powerful pathway to personal growth and lasting happiness. Through fMRI technology, we now know that giving activates the same parts of the brain that are stimulated by food and sex. Experiments show that evidence that it should, sorry, experiments show evidence that altruism is hardwired in the brain and it's pleasurable. Get this. Helping others may just be the secret to living a life that is not only happier, but also healthier wealthier, more productive, more productive and meaningful. In other words, free. See, when we practice generosity, we can live out the freedom that God has given us. I want to encourage you. It's one of the core values for us as Life Central Church about being generous. I want to encourage you to live out generosity in your life. The final point and the final way to live freely is to contend to be content. Contend to be content. Over the last 18 months or so, I've said this phrase to myself, well, it is what it is, isn't it? Or I've said, well, we are where we are, and we just have to figure it out. And it's kind of like I've said it in meetings, I've said it to Laura, I've said it in several different, different uh, kind of moments, and I'm kind of saying it to myself, because I'm trying to say to myself, look, be... You need to be content with the circumstances that you can't change. I have, I, over the last 18 months, believe it or not, I've had no control on the government's rules for lockdown. And so I've had to be content with it. And I've had to contend in my own heart and in my own life to be content with those circumstances. And I think I've found that accepting the circumstances that I cannot change has been quite freeing. And in fact, Reinhold Niebuhr in the 1930s, he wrote this prayer, and I think it's amazing. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That is amazing. I'm tempted to get that written on my office wall because it's just so good. Serenity to accept the circumstances and the things that I cannot change, to be content with where I am, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You know, being thankful is so, so key. Being thankful for what you have, being thankful for all that is around you. Maybe Adam talked about last week, about every day saying three things that you're thankful for, being content with what you have, being content in the circumstances that are in front of you is so important. Paul put it like this in 1 Timothy. He said, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and perceived and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You see, when they've not been content, they've 
pierced themselves, Paul says, with many sorrows. Contending to be content is a great way to live freely, finding ways to be thankful, finding ways to have serenity, as he puts it in that prayer, serenity to accept the things that I cannot change and the wisdom to know the difference between the things I can and the things I can't change. And so, you know, I've talked about eight ways to live freely. You know, there could be 2,008 ways. I can't cover them all in the short time I have. But those are some things that I really felt were important to, to share. But, you know, this whole summer has been about us living freely, about Jesus setting us free to live free. And here's the thing, free people, free people. When we are set free, when we live in freedom, when we live in the freedom that Jesus offers us, it leaves us free to open the door for others to find that freedom too. When we live out generosity, when we live and model the freedom that Christ has set in us, it makes others sit up and take notice. It makes others sit up and go, I'd quite like some of that freedom, you know. It allows us to open the door for others. So I encourage you, don't let freedom stay in the summer. You know, next week is going to be September and we're going to be moving towards the autumn and soon it'll be Christmas. Don't just let the summer of freedom be the only time that you experience freedom because it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. I want to invite you, if you're in the room here or you're at Hagley, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. Um, if you're at home, then I want to just invite you to offer a, a posture of openness. Because we're going we're gonna to finish where we started with Psalm 139. And where it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me on the path of everlasting light. I want to pray and give us the opportunity for God to be open and honest with us and for you to be open and honest with God and say, there's some things I need to change. So would you pray with me? Jesus, I pray. that you would speak to us right now. That you would show us the areas that we need to surrender to you. Would you search our hearts? And I'm just going to give a moment of silence for you to do some business with God. Are there any things that I'm not free of that I need to be free of. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're somebody who's carrying addiction, if you're somebody who feels like you've been secretly chained to a bin and chained to some junk in your life, and today's a day to step into freedom. Today is a day to take that step towards it. And so if you're here in the room or you're in Hagley, we have got our prayer spaces 
available where we would love to pray for you. If you want to respond in that way and come and talk to one of our prayer team who can help you to make that step and pray with you, then they would love to do that in, in, in Hell's Owen here. It's just through the doors into the atrium. Our team will be there. In Hagley, I'm sure the team can direct you. If you're watching online, you can fill out a Say One For Me link and we would love to pray for you. But maybe you're not ready for that. Maybe that's a big, big step. Maybe today you want to just commit to telling somebody. Say, God, I'm going to talk to somebody. I'm going to talk to this person. Maybe while we sing this next song, you want to send a text message to the person that you know you need to speak to and you know that you trust them enough with this shame and this guilt. And you just want to send them a quick text and say, can I speak to you this week, please? There's something important I need to say. Maybe that's what you need to do. However it is that you need to respond to be set free from addiction, make that step right now. And you know, we're gonna sing a song together that's called Holy Ground and it's an amazing song. And the, the lyrics of the bridge are just amazing and sum up what it means to be free and the power that Jesus has. It says, chains fall, fear bow, here, now, Jesus, you change everything. Lives healed, hope found, here, now, Jesus, you change everything. Guys, let's continue to respond however you need to, whatever God is staring in you, whatever God's pointing out to you. If you need to respond today, I want to encourage you as we sing, respond. You know, the words will be on the screen. The words will be on the screen for you at home. But if you need to sit and do business with God today, then I want to encourage you to do that as we sing together, Holy Grounds.